On this episode of Two Drop Tables and a Microphone, we will be discussing the hacker group Fin10 and their attacks against Canadian mining companies and casinos. We will also be discussing the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto's Monk School of Global Affairs and Cherry Blossom, the wireless CIA hacking tool. Finally, we will be discussing the Petya worm that has been making its way around the world and causing havoc. You are listening to Two Drop Tables and a Microphone, an information security podcast with a Canadian perspective and the only tech podcast with a three drink minimum. We are the place for information security news and how it affects you as either a security professional or a general consumer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and our guests are solely their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of their employers, past or present. This is episode four of Two Drop Tables and a Microphone. We've got a lot of topics to discuss uh, in this episode. Uh, it's been uh, quite a week uh, with a lot of security incidents and... Uh, and a lot of other stuff happening as well. So um, let's get to it. Uh, let's talk about uh, topic one here. Hacker group Fin10 attacks Canadian casinos and mining companies. Now, this is interesting um, because this is actually the first time I've actually seen like a widespread attack against uh, Canadian companies, mostly, especially mining companies and casinos. Now, I mean, this, this, this is... Uh, Judging by reading the FireEye report, I mean, this is probably somebody who's using commonly available tools just to probably one person, probably two or three people, who knows, uh, using commonly available tools uh, to extort uh, these companies. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite, uh, quite amazing what they're, they seem to be achieving quite a bit. They're getting a lot of notoriety, at least. I'm not sure if uh, any of these mining companies or casinos are actually paying out, but I mean, uh, for for a group using just tools that you can get on GitHub, well, you know, they seem to be doing a pretty good job. Um, like, uh, what was it? The FireEye report here says that uh, they've been using a lot of uh, uh, Metasploit. They've been using a lot of uh, a lot of uh, what was it? PowerShell scripts. Uh, Stuff that's uh, widely available that anybody can download and use. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so looking at the report, put out uh, what looks like they're trying to get company secrets and and confidential data on these companies and trying to extort them that way, like you said. And interestingly enough, when you look through it, it's it's kind of like we've been talking about a theme through all these podcasts. How are they getting in? Your phishing emails, emails to secretaries, emails to Employees of the of of the company talking about updated holiday schedules, something a lot low personal, and it says they likely used LinkedIn and other social media. So you know, I know last couple of weeks ago in our last episode we talked about don't overshare on Facebook and social media because they're just scraping your information, absolutely, and targeting the emails that way and getting in. Something that an old, you know, bastard operator from hell person that sort of was my mentor when I started as a sysadmin back in the day told me, never do your out of office. People know who you are. And they would probably like to know that the head sysadmin is not in the office for the next two weeks. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, this group here, I tell you right now, has done their research. Um, they probably used, uh, again, if they've been using commonly available tools to actually break in and... Uh, acquire data for extortion purposes, 
chances are they've been using commonly available tools like Maltico, for example. Yeah, Recon NG. Recon NG, absolutely. And uh, so they've been, um, again, they've been using just these tools that, okay, let's do rec uh, reconnaissance. You know, they have a set of tools for reconnaissance. They have a set of tools for... Uh, for uh, exploitation, post-exploitation, so on and so forth. I mean, they uh, they uh, just well, you know, didn't have to invent the wheel themselves. They just found it, found stuff that's commonly available. And I mean, uh, th this group though, they they've definitely have done their research. They, it seems to be pretty meticulous, uh, especially if they've gone this uh, gone this far. So. It's 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 quite amazing what they've. Uh, but the thing is, it's also also amazing but scary, that uh, because that means anybody can do this. I mean, it, it doesn't take a huge amount of sophistication. It just it just takes a lot of just a lot of time and a lot of research. Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of patience. There's a lot of you know like knowing some you know easily you know readily available tools and. You know, just being able to go low and slow while you're in when you're doing your uh, reconnaissance and uh, lateral movement so you don't trip anything. But this isn't something that someone couldn't study for a couple months and get good at. It's amazing how, how um, doing the reconnaissance, I mean, they're using cool tools that you can get. And it, it, makes, it makes you wonder how secure people internal systems are. I mean, I heard a conversation earlier this week about how... Oh, it's okay. We have firewalls. They can't get in. Obviously, we know that's not how they get in. They get in with you know social engineering because that's way easier. And then once they're in, they're moving laterally, compromised credentials, credentials that are being used across multiple systems, production and test maybe in the same VLAN. You don't know. So they're you know they're spending some time just to move around with with you know PowerShell for example, which is a trusted Windows process. You know you'd have no idea that someone else is in there. They're using legit credentials. RDP, VPN, to, to move around and getting a, a better understanding of your network than you have. And the other thing, too, is part, PowerShell is available on every Windows system from Windows 7 up. And, you know, I mean, uh, it could run on, uh, on, you could run a PowerShell script on pretty much any system right now. So on, on every Windows system, I should add. And, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not that hard. And it's, it's, like I said, it's widely available. The targeting of Canadian companies I found interesting. This is the first, not only is it the first time I've seen that, uh, but in a lot of the articles I were reading, uh, I think this comes from the FireEye or the Mandiant Report, saying this is the yeah. most destructive threat actor to hit Canada to date. And why mining companies? Why casinos? It's, it's, it's a weird pattern. Well, it's because they do have a lot of money. Um, like, uh, let's say... So let's, they're not, let's they're not targeting Sears, then. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Of course, they're not going to target Sears. They're like, oh, yeah, let's target a bankrupt company. <laughs> but the thing is, is um, especially in BC, I've noticed that uh, mining companies, they donate a lot of money to political parties, well, especially to the Liberal Party. And, um, and they, uh, they seem to have a lot of, well, basically a lot of capital. And, and they figured, uh, they fig what was it on this report? They had attacked us. Uh, was, there was one that was... Uh, particularly mentioned called Gold Corp. And uh, they figured, oh, gold, right? So they must have a lot of money. So let's attack them. And casinos, you know, there's a phrase, the house is always win uh, the house always wins. So <laughs> they figure these companies are liquid. Yeah, exactly. So they they have all this, uh, you know, they've, they're, they're seen as having, you know, being flush with cash. 
So let's uh, let's target these companies. That's what they were that's probably what they're thinking, right? I mean, if they were able to do this research, being very patient, then they uh, they probably knew who to target, right? It's it's much easier to find out. Okay, what's the most what's the most lucrative target out there? And uh, they picked uh, casinos and mining companies. And you know, all this information is like we said, readily available. And when you look at reasons for behind it, I mean, you know, they're trying to, it looks like there was some mention of political inspiration or things like that. And that might be just to throw it off the scent. I think a lot of the stuff is people are trying it because they can get money out of it. And why not hit these big companies and maybe try and shift it politically or whatever. But, you know, they want to gain some notoriety, maybe get some money out of it. Just do it just because they can, um, maybe some high profile, you know, you got to go after high profile companies because that will make the news that will catch everyone's attention. And uh, most more than likely too, in a lot of these big companies, you'd think, oh, a casino, quite secure and stuff. And you'd probably be surprised if you got inside how yeah. insecure these networks are. Physical security is big in uh, casinos. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that's a, and that's what they focus on. It's like physical security. They have their cameras. They have their pit bosses. They have, uh, they everybody is uh, closely scrutinized. I think uh, too, you know, this will tie in nicely to you know the third topic. When you look like you're talking cameras or, or any kind of systems uh, like that, routers and stuff, you know, firmware that or devices that are launched with infected firmware already. Absolutely. You know, and that's and that's the other other thing. avenue. Exactly. And or, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's uh, camera systems out there. Like I was just at Costco uh, earlier today and I saw you could buy for 600 bucks a Fleur. Uh, I think it's a Lorex camera system. And uh, I think it has uh, about five cameras and a, uh, a box. And I was looking at the box and going, hmm, if you were to hack that box, what could you do? If you, what, what would happen if you were able to break into that box? Is that box connected to the router? And then uh, you, you could use it as a, as a breach point. Because they figure, well, maybe that box is probably pretty secure. I mean, nobody's going to think about that. Uh, yeah, uh, I hate to break it to you. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's something that has to be uh, uh, patched. Like, just like any computer it has to be treated just like any other device has to be properly patched and properly secured. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I think um, this this group's been around twenty since twenty thirteen, exploiting things the same way. Things really haven't changed. And uh, I guess we could we could sort of go over like some of the um, things that we would recommend protecting from something like this. Um, first thing that jumped out at me reading the FireEye report. Uh, of course, is security awareness training to avoid, you know, phishing attacks and social engineering, which is difficult and I don't think ever will be totally possible. But maybe um, two-factor or multi-factor for RDP and VPN. There's no reason why your admins should be logging into servers without using two-factor. Absolutely. Even more separation between critical systems, or even between critical systems. You shouldn't even really trust each. Trust each other on this thing? No. Learn the identity between the two, certificate-based auth, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's they should, especially places like mining companies and uh, casinos. Like, there is no excuse for not having two FA, uh, two FA or two-factor authentication. I mean, it's it's and it, and it ha- it's it's they have to be treated like banks almost. 
because, uh, you know, I mean, if banks don't uh, have to have this high security, why then, then basically casinos and uh, mining companies should also have this high level of security. Security awareness training, too, should be done probably every six months. But, you know, I mean, it's they figured, well, they figured that uh, they don't want to waste the time like workers, you know, they would just want to focus on their jobs and don't want to have to attend a two hour, an hour or two hour uh, uh, security awareness session. But the thing is, is that uh, that should be a requirement. And it's it's I don't see that, you know, I see it in government, but not uh, in uh, not in private sector. And people get fatigued with this stuff, but it, it just continually happens. Oh, and it gets said all the time. Stop opening attachments that you don't know who it's from. Or even if you know who it's from, make sure you're expecting it. Because that's the kind of social engineering that is getting through. Exactly. If they have your PC, then they have access to a lot of anything else. And the other thing, too, is... Uh... Uh, from a admin or super user accounts uh, should be very, very few people who have that access. Um, you know, you should always apply the principle of least privilege. If your job requires that you have a uh, admin privileges or super user or root privileges, then you should then okay, fine. You you need you need to have that for, to do your job. But if you don't, then then absolutely you should not have those privileges. So. It's, uh, but it, it, it does, it does uh, make it uh, easier for a hacker group to go, okay, we just target these two people, and, and if they're suckers, they will uh, basically open up those uh, uh, phishing attacks that we send them, uh, those, uh, those phishing emails that we send them, and uh, you know, we're in with their, with their privileges. So it's, it's something that has to be really, really thought out. Uh, how, how, how would these people, what would these... These people especially need to be w well aware that they are targets, and uh, that they uh, that they have to really be careful, really scrutinize every email, every attachment, or every link that they click on, because sure enough, some you know there's going to be a time where they'll just click on a link without ever thinking about it, and then next thing you know, they're compromised. I think uh, well next the next stage here is uh, or the next topic uh, is a citizen lab. Now, I don't know how many of you heard of uh, the Citizen Lab uh, out there, but uh, they're, uh, they're basically a group of um, researchers uh, out of the uh, University of Toronto's Monk School of Global Affairs. Now, this group, um, essentially what they do is they, uh, they do research, again, um, uh, research for, to, uh, for human rights purposes, for... for um, uh, for, for international global purposes, governments spying on their citizens, or uh, or are they, you know, they're using they're using it to um, intimidate and to repress their citizenry. Uh, one example is China, where China has used a, a piece of software called Ghost Rat um, that uh, basically was uh, targeting Tibetan activists and the Dalai Lama, and they were able to forensically find this. Um, within within spear phishing emails because again I think it's, it's all seems to come from one point like we all talked about before is spear phishing attacks is is um, is pretty much uh, the, the main vector of uh, getting these uh, these uh, this malware through 
and uh, they've been actually going right down to, to the guts of the software that, uh, that, they, that they found and uh, were able to locate uh, Ghost Rat that was infecting uh, the computers of Tibetan activists. Now, there was another case where there was a thing called FinFisher um, that they also discovered, but this was done by, uh, I think it was Blue Coat Systems that uh, wrote this uh, software for governments, for militaries, and so on. And, um, and basically, it was a piece of spyware that they were able to tar use as for, for targeting surveillance uh, purposes, to target, let's say, a group, uh, to target terrorists, uh, so on, so forth. So it is, it is uh, something that, um, you know, that, that, that they've, been, they've been going into for probably the last 10 years that they've been looking at this. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, but uh, it... It, it, it makes me think that, yeah, they, that there is probably a lot more to this uh, than, than we realize. That was a really interesting uh, read. Some of the uh, interviews that have been done uh, with this group and the people leading it and some of the crazy stuff that are in the interviews, it's stuff that I didn't know. So the, the CSE, uh, they're basically Canada's version of the NSA. And of course, they've ballooned in size since 9-11. So was everyone else, but it was interesting to read the parallels between, you know, the people complain that the NSA isn't really regulated. CSE is not regulated at all. It's essentially only regulated by itself and one judge, and no well, one knows what it's doing. Yeah, there is there is oversight, quote unquote, um, but it I don't know I don't know how uh, how effective it is. Again, there is that one judge uh, that, uh, that oversees the CSE, but it's, uh, I think um, the, the current government right now, the current federal government right now, is uh, passing uh, a law to improve oversight um, and to uh, make changes to elements of Bill C-51. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's probably not going to happen until 2018 at the earliest. And the thing is, is that what is this? What is the what is the CSE up to? Really, um, we don't know, right? We don't know exactly what the CSE is up. But then they're just like the NSA, just like the GCHQ or the any other member of the Five Eyes, and uh, they, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they they got they're 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 doing something, but obviously, but uh, we really don't know what. I mean, I, it's funny, though, it's because there's a lot of leaks from the NSA. Obviously, we knew that from our previous episodes. But, you know, I mean, is there, there's some from the GCHQ, but have, we haven't really seen any from the CSC, which is interesting. So I wonder what's going on there. Is, are they sharing tools, or are they, which probably they are, but in some way, shape, or form. But uh, has the CSC actually written their own tools? You know, I'm curious I about don't that. even know if people know it exists, right? Like, until you mentioned it in the last... I think it was the last podcast. I didn't really like. I knew we had something, but I didn't really know what it was. I had to I'd do some research since then, and then with this article, I just found it. I don't think people realize that we have something analogous to the NSA. I don't think the general Canada. public has even a clue about most of the stuff to begin with. Sometimes they may have only so heard of the NSA in... because of TV, because they're watching yeah, Jason exactly. Bourne or, or something. Edward Snowden leaks, Fox News, whatever. But you know, it's. When you have this much power, don't have, they don't report to the prime minister, anything like that. It's it's easier to overstep your bounds and kind of do what you think needs to be done. So you know, reading about like the Citizen Lab, it's kind of interesting to 
almost like another set of eyes or a group that's trying to get this information out there and be like, hey, you know what? We have the CSE here and they're doing things and we'll need to know about it. As well as helping out other people around the world, like when they found, you know, GhostNet and I guess they discovered some exploit in iPhone that was being used to do covert data tracking and Apple didn't even know it was being used. Exactly. And the other thing too is uh, the CSE, I mean, it's, it's known as a, as a communication security establishment. And the funny thing about the CSE is actually it's the older than the NSA. It was actually, I think, started uh, uh, in 1941. Um, and uh, it, uh, it was basically during World War II where they were you know, intercepting um, you know, ger- uh, Japanese and German communications uh, uh, for intelligence purposes. And, but uh, they've, uh, they've, you know, they've become something else, you know, changing with the times and all that. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, what uh, they seem to be. And the thing is, they are a lot smaller group, obviously. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I'm curious about, okay, well, you know, are, they, are their security procedures better than that, what they have at the NSA? Or, or, or is it just because they're just too small for anything, for them, for anything to really, really come out, right? So... That's something that uh, that's I'm really curious about, but the thing is, it's uh, you know what are, you know we see that the NSA they're getting really involved with the internet. I mean, the CSE uh, could be pa- uh, tapping our networks. I mean, I just watched a video earlier on Ron Debert, uh, Professor Debert, who heads the Citizen Lab, and he was saying that uh, he was visiting an ISP, not an internet service provider like Telus or Bell, but it's an inter- internet service point. So there, there's these points all around the world that basically are like exchanges that uh, that uh, f- uh, flow you know mass amounts of data through and he visited one of these uh, sites in Toronto and then he goes in he says uh, to one of the tours he sees this uh, rack of servers with red tags on them and then the uh, then he then the, uh, the person giving the tour t- tells him well, you know, they're just. Uh, uh, he asks them, "What, what, what are these? Uh, what are these red tag servers? These red tag connections?" He's like, "Oh, those are the wiretaps." With, with the person giving the tour, and he goes just nonchalantly, just says, "Yeah, um, yeah, those are just wiretaps." And they just moved on to something else. Like uh, it's just like I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> you know. And then that's he mentioned uh, mentioned that. And it's like, okay, so are they? So tells me, are like, are they, is that a joke, or are they actually tapping us? Probably are. They're doing the same thing everyone else is doing, just because we're Canada and we're a lot smaller, maybe on a smaller scale, but they're definitely doing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Right, but People think it's Canada, and it's like, oh, we wouldn't do that thing, like some sort of righteousness or something, but every country has this going on, and you know, they're all doing it to some degree, and what, how much? You have no idea. It's probably, probably worse than you thought, but what extent... And CSC is probably making deals. They probably made deals with uh, Bell, Telus, Rogers, Shaw, um, to uh, to to basically monitor the network. And uh, but the thing is, I look at this and going, okay, they, they can monitor like like terabyte petabytes of data or exabytes of data, probably in this case. And it's well, like, what are they going to find in all that noise? So it's uh, you know, I mean, if the if the if the uh, if the surveillance were if the surveillance were targeted, it'd be easier if it was targeted than just to see what everybody's doing because uh, it would just be too noisy and too cumbersome for them. But it is still very scary. 
that's something that's come up with the NSA surveillance and those like huge data centers they've built out in the desert is that they they can't view the amount of traffic going through at any point in time and pick anything out really it's just too much yeah like needle and haystack just too much noise like you're saying but they're storing it anyway yeah they, and they can they, go back and do whatever they want after and imagine storing exabytes of data at a time that's just that's just insane i mean they must they must have like but I know in a hard drive space right now is cheap. I understand that. But the thing is, is that they probably have exabytes and exabytes of, of uh, hard drive space, of storage, that they put all this data in. But the thing is, the internet is growing. So are they able to, you know, there's might be a point in time where they might not be able to store everything. Yeah, I'd imagine that they target what they store and capture, right? Like maybe maybe they capture every packet going through their Tor exit nodes that they have set up. Maybe they capture every packet on Facebook. And that's enough. Yeah. It's probably what they looked at. You know, they're not going to capture everything and every, anything and everything, but uh, but it's still enough to, to make it really scary sometimes. It's And the question is, what do they do with it? Like, I mean, you, you, you got a country like China who who's very, you know, intimidates its citizenry if you talk about certain things like Tiananmen Square, for example. And... Uh, they, but here in Canada, we don't worry about that because you know we have free speech laws and all that. But uh, you know, but still, we don't have free speech laws in Canada. <laughs> not like the states does. No, not like the states does. But uh... people just hear more about these things, more about these things about in the states and less about Canada. So, but it's more of a big deal there, and it's just as a big deal here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's we I think we're. You know, even given the size of our country, I mean, uh, we have such a small population that, yeah, we don't really factor into, uh, it's like New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand, you don't hear much about uh, either, but they probably, they have a pretty sophisticated apparatus as well. And, uh, but you never hear about it. It's mostly the big, big players like uh, Britain and the United States. All right, let's talk about Cherry Blossom. Now, Cherry Blossom actually is really interesting. Uh, reading through the documentation, it seems to me that it is um, it is something that is used to it's something like a Wi-Fi pineapple software, and that's been configured for something else with different tools, different capabilities, so on and so forth. But it, but you could probably uh, if 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 I could find the source code, that'd be nice. It's sort of like a, a Wi-Fi pineapple on steroids, right? Yeah, they don't have to put that, they're not putting in their own device. They're actually certain vulnerable um, to many different attacks, um, Wi-Fi access points there. You'd go to a cop, they go to a coffee shop, for example, where there is one, hack it, put on their firmware, and then it's actually phoning home, sending the data about what it's capturing, getting mm -hmm. told from, you know, it's home uh, control servers, like what to capture, you know, to get updates and sending the traffic back and forth that it's monitoring. It's pretty intense. Like if you set up a whole network of those everywhere, you can monitor a whack of stuff. Sorry, it's basically every um, manufacturer that I can see that's major, you know, like Linksys, D-Link, Belkin, all Cisco, like all these major ones. So pretty much any single one they can take control of. And you would have no idea which yeah. ones because it's just, you know, man in the middle and they're grabbing all this, sending it home. And that's it. 
HSTS should foil this though, right? Mm -hmm. It should. But uh, the thing is, I don't see most organizations employing HSTS. No, uh, that was episode one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the uh, the thing is, is that I see I see this uh, as being like there's different capabilities. Like uh, what I see on the WikiLeaks documents here, like there's Cherry Blossom uh, VPN server. Like it looks like it may have capabilities of uh, of uh, capturing um, traffic before it goes to VPN. Uh, or and uh, also it has what's known as a flytrap. Um, that uh, let's just that uh, that's also interesting. I think the flytrap is. Uh, let's see the procedures here. I see everything here, that like all the documents and uh, it's. Yeah, it has one for D-Link. Uh, D-Link uh, upgrade and upgrade procedures and. You know, I mean, they could they could say, hey, we want to upgrade your D-Link router instead, uh, and then people just download it, put it on their uh, 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 onto their uh, system, uh, thinking it's an upgrade, but actually it's the it's it's cherry blossom. So, they don't need physical access to any of these devices. This is what's no, crazy is that it's all remote control. Absolutely. So and then it that's creates, it. Yeah, and uh, it's it's it. You can create a botnet with it. You can monitor everything with it. You can yeah, pretty much. Uh, there is a lot you can do. I really want to get my hands on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could get the... Uh, I'd love to get the uh, source code for this. This this is just, you know, from one of the... There's so much documentation for, to this that it's just amazing. Yeah, I was trying know, to fight like my this. way through it, and there's a lot. Like, they have an exploit database, a target database that can follow targets from different wireless networks to other wireless <laughs> networks. Like, oh, once you're exactly. marked, you're sort of marked, and it's like, oh, yeah. it's just intense. They basically can find targets of interest and just kind of follow you around. As long yep. as you're digital and you're online, you're being tracked. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking at this. It's uh, It's got a set of tools in here. And uh, what was that? Looking into the tools folder right here. And I'm looking at it, and it says uh, air scanner, air magnet, bing, buzz me. Uh, oh, wow. So Kismet. So a lot of these tools are actually available, um, uh, widely available to the public. Um Wellen Writer is another bundled. one. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems that it's uh, it's it's like a custom image of uh, a whole bunch of tools that can that can uh, that uh, that's part of this package. And uh, yeah, there's just so much to this. It's uh, it's really really uh, yeah, it's really really comprehensive. So yeah, mobile VPN software as well. Um, yeah, Wi-Fi devices. I'm looking at this Wi-Fi device, the document, 3Com. <laughs> uh, let's see, one of 24 pages. So, I mean, you got a list of uh, what, what, what it can exploit. And it's 24 pages long. And all these different features in there as well. Windex, redirect a browser and establish VPN, giving the Cherry Web user access to the victim's LAN and devices. Proxies all the internet connection to CIA chosen ones. And you would never know everything's encrypted and everything, no idea. There's a lot of these routers that are vulnerable, lots of XSS and um, cross-site request forgery requests and like all sorts of stuff to get into the um, you know firmware update possibilities of a router without having the admin username and password. Do you think, you know, given everything we know right now about companies and 
stuff. You you think that some of this is just done on purpose? I, I wonder, like, oh, we're going to make this model router guys, or, or some sort of collusion, I wonder. Yeah, like a backdoor. Before Snowden, right? I think you were crazy. Yeah. Now but I... after, I don't think anything's crazy anymore. Al no. Alex Jones makes a lot of sense to me now. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Especially in the cyber world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is scary, right? So you're like, you don't have no idea which is our legit exp you look at these exploits or these hacks, and, and then you just always got to wonder, I mean, is it done on purpose? Does this even sound so crazy anymore? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I could have a conspiracy theory saying, because there's so much vulnerable devices out there that you got to wonder, is there an actual conspiracy They're like, of uh, them being purposely built? And they go, oh, uh, and then some researcher finds it on a vulnerability and then goes, uh, they reports it to the public, and then they go, oh, yeah, uh, we need to fix that. <laughs> And how much is this going to carry on before it's just like it's not worth having a computer anymore? Like it's yeah. just exponentially getting worse. And how much are governments, state actors going to use this to spy on other organizations, other countries, their own citizens? Uh, just crazy. It's all about trying to get a leg up on, on anyone. Get information. What it seems to be, what can I get so I can just know a bit more, have leverage on whoever I need to have leverage on. Yep, and that's the thing. It's it's all about leverage. I mean, it's something. I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm not saying that there's probably is a conspiracy or there isn't. I'm not saying that, but you know, it makes you wonder sometimes, like what is really going on out there, or um, like how come is it so easy to find a vulnerability in any device? I mean, it, I mean, when I was at DefCon uh, in 2011, I mean, they had a Android. I think just came out. It was a. It was out uh, in the public just the first time, and uh, I mean, at, I mean, had a ten-year-old girl found a find a vulnerability in that, in the Android software. A ten-year-old girl. So you have a ten-year-old finding vulnerabilities like zero days. You know, it doesn't seem to me to me it's not you know that hard. I don't think I've seen a clean security assessment to come by my desk yet, and and not one that I would. There, there wasn't at least one thing I was like, oh come on. We don't do too bad on um, the stuff that I'm working on right now, but we put in a lot of effort. And I think by the time it gets to there, the developers now have learned that they don't ship code to us that, that are, that's going to fail. Like they're they know how to write things so there isn't you know XSS. And we've done a lot of work with our infrastructure to make sure that we have some stuff that makes you know XSS and cross-site request forgery and all that sort of stuff a lot more difficult. Yeah. I think uh, the one I'm doing for John is the cleanest security assessment I've seen. I was just going to say that. I was just going to plug it. <laughs> Golfburn.com. I was going to plug it. I don't oh, think yeah, say that. There. Say Golfburn.com. Yeah. There's nothing there you could hack. Nothing. I'll put it on 4chan tonight. <laughs> See what happens, right? Challenge accepted. <laughs> You're hacked in five minutes. At least it's clean. I'm sure there's something, but at least it's clean initially. Yeah. But it's but rare. Yeah, but there's but there's always going to be. You something. probably spent a lot of effort on it, infrastructure-wise as well. Like your, I know your Apache config is top-notch, and a lot of people don't put in that effort, right? It's just install, go. Oh, I got some code from a guy I paid on Fiverr to write something. Just put it up. Yeah, exactly. So, well, having talking about Fiverr, having said that, we do have a new logo that will be put up. I did put it episode. up. I don't know if it's synced yet. It's on cast. I don't know Looks if good. iTunes is synced it. I told it to force the update. Is it up? I'll check right now. You guys keep talking. <laughs> but it, it, it is scary, these CIA tools and stuff and NSA tools that are getting leaked. I, I wonder how much there's there they have and when it, it's going to stop. 
must be tip of the iceberg. I just, I yeah, exactly. Can't imagine is. how much there is. Oh yeah, exactly. So, but uh, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it is the tip of the iceberg. Actually, they came out with a new one called Brutal Kangaroo. That that one uh, just came out. So it might be something for the next episode. Holy crap! My computer, my computer just popped up the thing saying, "Oh, do you want to reboot now?" I patched. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm recording this podcast. No. I see the logo on iTunes. Oh, you do see the logo on iTunes? No. Perfect. I don't have to look now. It's synced. Awesome. Yeah, there's another, was it just another tool that just came out called Brutal Kangaroo? I've heard of that one. Yeah, that one uh, uh, is on WikiLeaks. But uh, I think let's leave that till the next episode. And uh, let's uh, let's move on to Petya. I'm going to put in that fourth topic here. uh, Because Petya just came out probably in the last few days. And uh, it is essentially a, a piece of ransomware that attacked the Ukraine um, banks and infrastructure, power grid, and uh, also um, attacked Maersk, uh, the, the Danish shipping company, and other targets uh, around the world. But uh, the main focus seems to be in Ukraine, on Ukraine. Um, and apparently, from what I heard, is that uh, Petya is actually not a ransomware. It's only disguised as ransomware. Uh, because you try to pay it to decrypt your files, uh, yeah, there's there's no there's no you know there's nobody to pay to. So it seems to me it was disguised as a ransomware, but it was actually a state-sponsored attack uh, against Ukraine. Um, but they wanted to cover their tracks and provide plausible deniability. So yeah, very. Um, but uh, I've known people who disagree with that. So it's. Uh, it's it's interesting. We there's a new drinking game now. Whenever we say interesting, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it looks like it's based off the Eternal Blue exploit, again. which they patched yeah. already again. Yeah, so exactly. you know how many vulnerable systems are left with this? It's just this is you know we talked about it episodes ago about holding on to these exploits, and then when they get released, it's like oh man. All these and there's systems. a lot of them too. They're all taking yeah. each other's code and building on it. There was Petya and not Petya, and then begins with M. There was another one. Shoot, Misha or something like that. Yeah, that was Golden Eye. Like, yeah, Golden Eye, and I mean, it's all using the same code uh, built on top of things that are exploiting Eternal Blue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, SMB is a hacker's best friend. <laughs> so it's uh that, that that's what i find i, I see that um, they're just taking oh look there's a whole bunch of nsa code that we have here the shatter brokers and let's just use that and see what happens so <laughs> it's not it's not new i mean it's uh yeah been around it's, that's for sure oh it's been around right I'm like i'm just like it's it's so ridiculous i mean it, it's getting to the point of being being uh, scary and ridiculous but it's also there's so much out there it's like people got to start thinking about this and it makes me you know angry that it that that people don't seem to care i mean it is so easy to exploit stuff like it shouldn't be this easy but yet it is so yeah this one was really weird i was reading it i'm gonna say weird instead of interesting uh kaspersky labs reports that as many of 60 percent of the systems infected are in ukraine so that's definitely a targeted thing and the fact that it didn't really set up anything for decryption like it, it what it wanted to do was wreak havoc it didn't really they mm-hmm. didn't care about getting any money yeah and, and that's that's what i've seen right it's uh it's a state spo- state sponsored attack disguised as ransomware 
Yeah, definitely. Be you know, not wanting money, not really caring, just trying to take systems offline. It's definitely got the hallmarks of <laughs> some other nation. Oh, by the way, did you take uh, take a drink uh, there, Mark? After saying interesting, by the way, cheers. <laughs> I was just looking at uh, WikiLeaks, and there are three more leaks since Cherry Blossom, Brutal Kangaroo, Elsa, and Outlaw Country. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, next podcast for sure. I think it's just <laughs> this one. There, it's a lot of information there's one to take in, and it just it keeps coming, you know. And I think we're reading and going, "Oh my goodness." Outlaw I don't know country. if anyone else is like it's there's so much right now you can't even keep up on it. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too is uh, I wish they had source code. A lot, you know, there's been there's a few there that had source code, but I didn't. I, most of it has no source code. They're just documentation. I mean, it seems to be getting worse. And not to give too much away, because I'm sure we'll talk about it next time. But Brutal Kangaroo targets closed networks by air gap jumping using thumb drives. Elsa, a geolocation malware for Wi-Fi enabled devices. Outlaw Country, uh, CIA that targets computers running Linux. It's it's just <laughs> one thing after <laughs> another. So save that for next time. You can actually combine all that and to make one big framework. I'm sure even if the code isn't available, this is giving people ideas. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely giving people ideas. But there's some of them out there that uh, I think it was Glass Marble. What was it um, that was uh, uh, that did have source code? I think it was called Glass Marble. Or just marble? Or mar something marble, I can't It was remember. marble. Yeah. Marble had code. But it was yeah. it's not a marble framework. It's not very dangerous. It's that's the one that does the inserting Russian and whatever. Oh yeah. Actually, yeah that reminds me that reminds me when I was reading uh the FireEye report on Fin Ten. Looks like they've been using Russian language, which was obviously translated using Google or some online translator. Oh, of course. To to make it look like they're Russian, they also sign some of their notices that they send to corporate executives with their ransom as Tesla team, even though it's obvious that they're not Tesla team. Just yeah, trying Tesla to throw some red, trying to throw, group. right? Just trying to throw some red herrings in as they go. It'll be interesting when they get caught. I know who these people were. So, by the way, what are everybody's drinking tonight? Yeah, we missed that part. I'm drinking uh, Springbank 15. Ah, me, it's I'm drinking, whiskey. ah, whiskey. I'm drinking Phillips Short Wave. Uh, I think it's a type of, it's an ale, West Coast Pale Ale. I'm drinking a cider. Thank, every, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, if you have any comments, uh, hey, Mark, you have the ability to put comments in, right? Yep, I actually have, on the, in the outro, it tells them. Ah, excellent, So they, excellent. you can comment on the articles at, twodroptables.ca, where the um, episode will be posted. You can uh, rate and subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes, or you can send an email to feedback at twodroptables.ca. Okay, perfect. Thank you very, very much for listening, and uh, you have yourself a great night. That was the Two Drop Tables podcast for this week. If you've got comments or feedback, you can visit our website at twodroptables.ca. That's the number two droptables.ca. There you can read the show notes and leave a comment on this episode. Or you can email feedback at twodroptables.ca. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find fine podcasts. Just go to our website for convenient links or search your podcasting app for Two Drop Tables.